Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 18. Uh, kind of to bring you up to date on where we are, Christ has just been arrested. Uh, he's been uh, in the garden, the scene plays out. Peter, uh, of course, attacks one of the uh, servants of the high priest, and, and there's a, a crowd that arrested him that, that were Jewish leaders and also uh, some Roman soldiers in the mix, and they take Jesus first to uh, the high priest's house, but in our text today, they have now, of course, made their way to Pilate, the man uh, in the area who had the authority to do what they wanted done uh, to Jesus. And so I admit this morning that uh, this is a text that was hard to just bring in one big theme. Uh, what we really have here is several acts uh, taking place, and there's some great things we can learn from each of these acts. We have, uh, we have Pilate's conference with the crowd. Okay, It's him just meeting with the crowd, talking about the charges. Uh, we have uh, Pilate's conference with the prisoner. So Jesus, uh, so Jesus is actually taken inside of Pilate's house where he gets uh, to have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus. And then the last act we have is him announcing his verdict. And so let's read, starting in verse 28. It says, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter into the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, No, not, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So the first thing I want us to look at is this this conference that Pilate has with the Jews, with the mob that brought Jesus 
uh, to him to sentence him. Let's first talk about Pilate, okay? So who was Pilate? Um, Pilate was the area governor. He was in charge of, of governing there for Rome. The accounts we, we have of him in the New Testament and other hi- historical documents is that uh, he was a man that was kind of weak and, and had vacillating, a vacillating personality, meaning that, that there was moments where like he would do something that was just very gutsy and, and very in-your-face of the Jews. And then you would also have him in moments really backing down in fear. And so he really vacillated between this man that wanted to appear strong and this man that maybe deep down inside was really scared and, and really intimidated by um, the Jews around him. His heart, for whatever reason, seems to not be putting... It seems to not be in putting Christ to death. So he, he kind of tries to make a decision about Christ without really making a decision about Christ. So the Jews bring Jesus to Pilate and they refuse to go into his house because he is a Gentile. Going into a Gentile home would, would defile him, would defile them where they couldn't participate in Passover, which was a big deal. So, you know, Pilate's no stranger to those customs, and so he just meets with them out, essentially on his front porch, so that they don't have to violate their religious um, ideals. But isn't it interesting that this Jewish mob is, is so worried about being defiled in the process of creating one of the of, of committing one of the greatest sins that would ever be committed, right? I mean, they have the Son of God that they're mistreating, that they're dragging around as a prisoner, trying to get him put to death, and they're worried about going inside of a Gentile's house and being defiled. Jesus has already condemned the, the Pharisees for this way of thinking. He says in Mark 7.15, There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Their problem was not the defilement that existed inside Pilate's home. Their problem was the defilement that existed inside of them. And yet the solution to that very defilement was Jesus Christ that they were trying to put to death. The irony there. No amount of avoiding sinful places or people can justify the sinner. It's only Christ. The biggest problem for any of us is not the sin in the world. It is the sin in us. Amen? And the only solution to that is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so Pilate questions the crowd. 
He says, so it says so in verse 29, So Pilate went outside of them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Now, what we need to realize here is that this is very likely not their first interaction with Pilate. After all, when they went to arrest Jesus, they had Roman soldiers with them, which probably indicates that they had already been to the Roman authorities, very likely Pilate himself, and said, look, here's what's happening, and here's what we don't like about this Jesus, and, and we need some help in arresting him, so can you give us some Roman soldiers? So, so it's very possible that this is not the first time that, the, that, that Pilate has heard about about Jesus and why they didn't like him and the charges they were bringing against him. And Pilate's response in verse 31 is, take him your, or, or, uh, I'm sorry. So Pilate went out to them uh, and, and, and he's, he kind of just says, hey, what are y'all doing here? And, and they're, they're angry because, hey, we've already told you. Like, we thought if we brought Jesus to you, then you would just rubber stamp his crucifixion. That's what we thought you were going to do. And you're coming out and you're acting like you hadn't heard about this. And so they're very aggravated at this. And their response is, we wouldn't have brought him to you if he wasn't guilty. But Pilate's response in verse 31 it's take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. See, this is how Pilate works. Hey, I'm going to give you, I'm the, I'm, I'm the big bad dude that's going to give you the soldiers to arrest Jesus. But then when, when they go and actually do it and Jesus stands in front of them, he really doesn't want to make that call. He, he wants to punt it back to them. So like I said, one moment he's giving the soldiers, I'm the big bad Roman guy with the soldiers. And the next moment, I won't know part in this. And so the Jews respond, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. You see, it says here that, that the Jews wanted the crucifixion. They wanted crucifixion, and that's likely because of Deuteronomy verse, chapter 21, verse 22. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but, he sh but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. It was a tremendously humiliating death to die hanging on a tree, and even the Old Testament attests to that. And so it was very, very important. It was important to those Jews that we don't want him just to die. A normal death, he could be a martyr. We want him in an absolute gruesome death hanging on a tree, which means that he's a cursed man. And therefore, everyone that sees this will say, well, he definitely wasn't the Son of God because cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. And, and so he couldn't have been who he said he was. 
But look what John interjects here in verse 32. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And so these men, they they think they're in control. They think they are choosing a death that will certainly defeat Christ when they're really choosing the death that has already been proclaimed. They're not defeating Christ by crucifying Him. They are fulfilling His very words. He said He would be lifted up in His death. The sovereign hand of God is on full display here. As Proverbs 16.9 says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes steps. You see, these men in their plot to, to defeat Christ and to make for sure that His glory and His fame would die with Him, that's the very... The very thing that the very thing they were doing was defeating themselves, was ensuring that scripture would be fulfilled and Christ's word would be fulfilled in his death. This is the power of the sovereign plan of God on display for us here. So next we see Pilate's conference with the prisoner. So he withdraws back into his quarters. And he brings Jesus in to question him. And he asks them, are you the king of the Jews? You see, the problem with that that the the Jews had with Jesus was theological. It was a theological problem they had. He was saying heretical things. He was claiming to be equal to God. He was claiming all of these things that they thought were heresy. But here's the problem. Pilate doesn't give a rip about theological squabbles. He doesn't care. That is not going to motivate him to do anything. And so the the charge that they decide that maybe Pilate will get behind is that Jesus is a political usurper of Rome, that he's a king. After all, Rome made it clear that there is no king but Caesar. So do you see how already how unjust this trial is? The charges are not consistent. They're vacillating between the theological and the political depending on, on what is needed at the moment. And Pilate asks this question because he wants an out. Again, he's wanting to punt. So Jesus answers his question with a question. He says, do you say this of your own accord? Or do others say it to you about me? Jesus has to clarify. Uh, Jesus has to clarify. Why is he asking this? What does Pilate mean by king? Does does Pilate mean a by king? Does he mean a, an emperor that's there to overthrow Rome politically? If, the, if that's what he means by king, then the answer to that would be no. Does he mean when he says king that? that he is the messianic king of the Jews, then the answer would be yes, I'm, I'm that king. I'm a king in that sense. And so Jesus was figuring out what is he asking? One might even wonder, is Jesus poking some fun at him, saying, 
You know, are people putting you up to this? Are you at, what are you asking here? And this irritates Pilate who says, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have, what have you done? This is Pilate basically saying, look, I don't want to even be out of bed. I don't want to be doing this. So just give me an out. Just give me an out. Let's talk about what they're charging you with. Let's, let's get this thing done. And Jesus answered him, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. So Jesus makes it clear to Pilate, look, I'm not here to establish some political system. I'm not here to overthrow Rome. My kingdom is not a physical kingdom, at least not yet. And he, he points to the fact, look, none of my guys fought back. He said, and the reality is, is that one fought back and he was reprimanded for it, of course, Peter. And really, if, if he was looking uh, for, to overthrow a government, the 12 men he chose were we're not an army that was going to overthrow Rome. So Jesus basically says, man, look around. My guys aren't, aren't physical fighters. They're not soldiers here to overtake y'all. Just, just look around. Look around at the reality. Because Jesus wants them to be clear that, hey, it's not an earthly king that I'm trying to establish here. It's not an earthly kingdom. And I think we also need to be reminded of this truth. We put far too much confidence in earthly things. You know, if our political preference is in power, then we feel great. We feel like everything's going to go great for the church and Christians. This is awesome. Our people are in charge. And then when our people aren't in charge, we freak out. And we think this is going to be the end of the church in America or around the world. Because our people aren't in charge. And the reality is, folks, is that the church of God is, is not an earthly political force. It's a heavenly spiritual force. We serve a kingdom that does not gain its ground through physical force or political power, but through the spiritual force of the truth of the gospel. I mean, when, when politics crosses over into morality, we're called to proclaim the truth moral truths that should govern our world yes we should go to the you know go to the polls and, and cast your votes absolutely but never forget that the fate of the church rests not on the kingdoms of this world but they rest on the kingdom of heaven the gates of hell will not prevail against the church no matter what happens to America, no matter what happens in our political systems? I mean, was that not Jesus' attitude when asked about Rome and taxation and all of that? He, he says, render to Caesar what Caesar's and to God what is God. It's, it's not that difficult to understand. 
And so then Pilate said to him in verse 37, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. So Pilate says, You are a king. And basically Jesus says, Those are your words. Those are your words. So Jesus having said what his kingdom is not, he is now going to say what his kingdom is. And this is what he says, For this purpose... I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now, understand that this claim is, goes much deeper than Jesus just saying, I'm a speaker of truth. It's not just Jesus saying, hey, I'm a great teacher, and I'm here to teach truth. It's much deeper than that. Jesus himself is the literal truth. He is the revelation of God. His voice is God's voice. His actions are God's actions. He revealed back in John 14.6 that, that he is the truth, the life and the way. He's not just a teacher of true things. He is the true revelation of God. And then we have Pilate's incredibly cynical response here. Pilate said to him, what is truth? It's a phrase that seems ripped out of our modern or our postmodern culture to scoff at the idea that there can be one truth. In Pilate's rejection, he shows that he is not of the truth. He is not one who hears Christ's voice. How sad. How sad to be so close to Christ. To have Him essentially in, in His living room. To be able to have Christ reveal to Him, I am the truth. And to be that close and then to cynically respond, what's truth? He heard Christ, but he didn't really hear Christ. Are you here today and, and you've been close to Christ? You've heard much about Christ. You've, you've sat in the services. You've heard the sermons, but that is not enough. He must become to you the truth, the true revelation of God. There is much debate in our postmodern times about truth. The world scoffs along with Pilate. What is truth? The truth is not just a thing or an idea. The truth is a person who because He loved you, lived and died for you. Hear Him this morning and you can know the truth. Next we have Pilate returning back to the crowd. And announcing his verdict. I find no guilt in him. Think about that. The, the Jews' trumped up charges did not stick. Pilate saw through it and realized Jesus was not there to threaten Rome's earthly reign.
in a just world or at least a just system, this would have been the end of it. No, not guilty, then no punishment. End of story. But then Pilate utters this word, additional word. But, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And so Pilate is determined, despite finding no guilt, he's determined to continue to punt the decision. And he throws Jesus' fate back into the angry mob. This is the equivalent in our day of a judge saying from the jury, we, defi- we find the defendant not guilty, but we're going to give him the harshest penalty available. It doesn't make sense. It's not just. It's not right. But that's exactly what happens here. It's no mystery here. Verse 40, they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. They chose the robber Barabbas. Notice the Scripture makes it clear Barabbas was a guilty man. It describes him. He was a robber. And it was very likely that kind of the the words that are used here, it's, it's more than just a guy that was running around, you know, at night stealing things from people's house. This is more than likely a, someone who was in a in bloody rebellion against Rome that was, that was going out and stirring up things and he's closer to what we would likely call a terrorist. Last week, America, about a week ago exactly, America received news that um, the person over a terrorist, organ, the biggest terrorist one of the biggest terrorist organizations was killed, was blown up. Now we as Christians, we, we love grace, we love forgiveness, but we also understand that there is a justice when you're responsible for who knows how many innocent deaths that in the end, you go your judgment. And so we understand the justice there that, that sometimes when you choose to slaughter people that sometimes you end up getting slaughtered. There's no such justice for the terrorist Barabbas. Barabbas the terrorist walked away free while the perfect Son of God died. What a picture of the substitutionary work of Christ. A fulfillment of Caiaphas' unintentional prophecy in John 11.50, it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. That the ungodly walk away free while the godly is sentenced to die. You know, we see in those around Christ, we see just a bunch of sinless, or I'm sorry, a bunch of sinful men. You have a bunch of the Jewish leaders and, and they show the the religious hypocritical sinner. The sinner that's just full of of sin and nastiness, but 
oh, I can't go into, into that house. That's a sinner lives there. Despite the fact that even in this process, I'm creating the greatest sin that's ever happened. The religious sinner that is full, it like as Jesus describes, just full of dead man's bones and, and rottenness, but on the outside looks great. Oh, I'm moral. We see in Barabbas the, the reviled sinner, the man that everyone knows he's a sinner. His sin's out there. Hey, he's a robber. He's a rebellious terrorist. In Pilate, we see kind of the more respectable sinner. The one that, oh, I'm not trying to be involved here. I don't want to put Jesus to death. But yet you're initiating that very thing. And these are all groups of sinners that at all time that all of us have probably had our place with. They condemn the sinless, righteous Son of God to death, and they walk away free. J.C. Ryle said this about this instance of Scripture. He calls it a lively illustration of the great Christian doctrine of substitution. Barabbas, the real criminal, is acquitted and let go free. Jesus, innocent and guiltless, is condemned and sentenced to death. So is it in the salvation of our souls. We are all by nature like Barabbas and deserve God's wrath and condemnation, yet He was accounted righteous and set free. The Lord Jesus Christ is perfectly innocent, and yet He is counted a sinner, punished as a sinner, and put to death that we may live. Christ suffers, though guiltless, that we may be pardoned. We are pardoned, though guilty, because of what Christ does for us. We are sinners, and yet counted righteous. Christ is righteous and yet counted a sinner. Happy is that man who understands this doctrine and has laid hold on it by faith for the salvation of his own soul. Let me read that last part again. How happy is the man who understands this doctrine and has laid hold on it by faith for the salvation of his own soul. The truth of the substitutionary death of Christ leaves us with an unescapable fact. We are all Barabbas. All who are in Christ are former terrorists to the glory of God, against the glory of God, who have been set free by the death of the innocent. Folks, we're all Barabbas, or at least we all used to be. So let us go into a world of people that are Barabbas, that are terrorists against God's glory, and help them and tell them of the beautiful truth that because of what Christ did, because of what He endured, because of how He lived His life perfectly righteous, that righteous could then be credited to us Because of his, his death on the cross, we can have forgiveness and pardon of our own sins. Let's go out into a world 
as former Barabbases telling other Barabbases that they too can be set free. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians come. I ask you to respond however God has spoken to you in His Word this morning. Let's pray. Dear only Father God, help us, God, to realize that our problem is within us and not out there. Help us to, to know our need of your grace and your forgiveness because of the defilement that exists in us. God, help us to not trust in political powers and just to realize that we are about a different kingdom first and foremost. Your kingdom. And God, help us to realize that we live in a world as former Barabbases that need to tell others about the freedom we found in you. God, put on our hearts Barabbases in our life that, that we could share the gospel with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.